You're listening to the Theosophia podcast, curated by Kelsey Davis and Sarah Elizabeth Smith. Be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theosophia and consider supporting this labor of love project for women's empowerment. This week's episode features Margot Guernsey. Margot is the director and principal of Time Travel Productions, which she founded in 2012 to produce documentary films and related media. Margot's feature directorial debut, Councilwoman, is touring the country and will air on PBS's World Channel this fall. Her current project is titled The Philadelphia Eleven to Be Whole. It tells the story of the Episcopal women who were ordained as priests in 1974 against the rules of the church and found themselves at the center of a media firestorm about who speaks the word of God. Over the past 20 years, Margot has worked as a union organizer, nonprofit development director, Spanish English translator, and media instructor, always building multiracial collaborations across class lines to inform the work of building a more just society. Margot works with teams that reflect the subjects in the film as a cornerstone of her artistic process. She is passionate about distributing documentary films in new ways empowering people and shifting narratives. In this episode of Theosophia, Margot explores the intersection of spirituality and the filmmaking process. She shares about the importance of deep listening and the way stories hold the potential to transform us. Margot is full of wisdom and goodness, and I can't wait to share her story with you. Here's Margot. So hi, Margot. Hi, Kelsey. Welcome to Theosophia. It's a pleasure to be here. So I would love um, for you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and um, how you identify in terms of your faith and spirituality. Um, So um, as your listeners might already know, I am a filmmaker. Um, But whenever I say I'm a filmmaker, I also say I'm a mother because parenting is as much of my life as filmmaking is. (laughs) Um, So um, I I am consumed by both activities Mm -hmm. 24-7. I identify, um, well, I should start with how I was raised. Um, I was raised in a UCC church where um, my family is still very active. it was a very liberal theological upbringing. And so to give you an example, as part of the confirmation process, I was, and I remember this very clearly, it's one of the few things I remember clearly. Um, I was encouraged to explore who I thought God was. And we had to make a big poster. I don't really remember what was on the poster, but I remember making it and making a diorama. And this morning I kept trying to remember where that is. It would be really fun to find it. Um, and I don't think, I, I think what I came, the conclusion I came to at the time was that I had no idea. Um, but it, I also had no experience of an institutional presence or someone telling me how I should live my spirituality. Um, and in some ways the effect, I wouldn't say it's a direct effect, but I, I don't think I came out of that experience with a, a strong spiritual presence. I think that outside of the church, I've started to really connect with 
uh, practice of naming the Holy Spirit and finding sustenance in doing that. Um, and that's been an evolution maybe over the past 10 years. Um, and so I don't know if that's, we still attend church throughout the year occasionally, but I don't know, you know, I feel like I'm sort of in a few, I have my spiritual presence in a few different worlds right now. I don't know where it's going to take me. Mm, beautiful. Um, and you, you mentioned that, that you're a mother and a filmmaker. So um, who are you mother to? I have two children, ages six and almost 10. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, <laughs> leave it at that for now. Sure, for sure. So, um, so what brought you to filmmaking and, and why, why do you do film? I was not always a filmmaker. I, after college, I was very, or throughout my college years, I was very focused on social justice. And I became a union organizer. And and my, my, my approach to social justice was the training and listening to leaders on the margins and helping and, and the understanding that their voices are the answers to a lot of our challenges and helping them and, and have finding a voice, a place for their voices so that we could listen deeply to what the needs are and better address some of the challenges we all we face as humans. And um, so I became a union organizer. It was a, an amazing experience. It was a kick, kicked my butt. <laughs> um, it was very grueling also. And after about five years, I decided that I believed in it, but I couldn't keep doing it. And, um, and then I went to, I got a, I went to graduate school with the idea that um, thinking I might want to teach history. I've always been a history buff Mm. and I discovered in graduate school that I felt very isolated in academia and disconnected from my, my friends in academia won't like this, but disconnected from real people (laughs) sort of on an Island. Um, And so that's when I decided that I really wanted to make documentary films that were specifically historical. Um, So it was a journey to get from that, that, that call or that choice to now, but that was where the, the, that was the beginning of it. Hmm. So what, how did you, what was the open door? How did you get your foot in the door with, with starting to do historical documentaries? I got an MFA um, and started working at the public television station in Miami, where we lived at the time. Um, and then um, that, that was the beginning. And then a friend of mine from, from my union organizing days ran for a public office. And then I, so I started following her, and that's the film that just came out. And so that sort of brought things really full circle um, and kind of helped me move forward. That's really awesome. Um... I'm curious too, so are you involved in all the facets of producing a film? So the filming, the production, all that stuff, the narrative arc, all of, all that goes into a film? Uh, That's a good question. Um, So I, everybody who's an independent filmmaker has a different journey. So you'll get different answers from everyone. I've made the choice not to be a cinematographer. Um, So I always work and I usually with the same person with a cinematographer and a sound person. Um, I do a lot, I direct and I do, usually do most of the producing, although I also work with other producers. Um, awesome, yeah. that's, that's cool. I've always, I've always wondered about that, of, of sort of how, 
how film comes to life and who's behind the scenes and sort of the team. Is it a team or is it a one woman band, you know, um, playing different parts? Because part of, you know, our connection to each other, um, which I think is important to sort of tell our random story of meeting, um, happened a couple of years ago. And, you know, we, uh, I, I don't know, did, I think I reached out maybe to you. I saw, um, I had just become an Episcopalian and I was trying to learn more about our church and obviously love female in, in leadership roles and who are impacting and transforming the world. And I had read something that Carter Hayward had written and just absolutely fell in love with her um, and her perspective. And, and that sort of Google search led me to you and um, to the, the film that we'll talk about that you're working on right now in a little bit. Um, but I reached out to you and you, you graciously responded to me. Um, so do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that exchange, what that was like for you? It was the most lovely moment. <laughs> um, so we um, had started filming maybe a year and a half prior to that with the 11 women or individually who had been ordained in Philadelphia in 1974. But we had, were doing it as a labor of love. So it was sort of like squeezing these things in with everything else that life has going on. And, and there was always this doubt in my mind is this a project that we can really move forward? Is this a project that needs to be made? Is this the right project now? Is it, and every, whenever those little nuggets of support coming from, the, the, from cyberspace and from the universe really have meant the world, I can't even tell you. So it was really mm -hmm. special. Um, and it was great collaborating with you in, you know, in the way that we did with the mm -hmm. transcriptions that you did um, has been, was, was really. Yeah. It's, it was really special for me too. You know, I, I come from a position of, you know, experiential learning and sort of incarnational Trinitarian theology, which means that we sort of understand how the spirit is moving as we understand our own experiences and um, our own bodies in time and space, and then also through our relationships. And so to have reached out to you and to have you reply back, you know, yes, you can help me. Here's what I need. And to be invited into being part of a small part of the project, you know, the gift I received in that was, was to um, be watching this, this old footage in black and white. And um, you had asked for a transcription and timing and all this stuff. So you could really figure out your narrative art. And in turn, I got to witness something that happened before I was born and learned this beautiful story of these women in the Episcopal church that totally broke through the ceiling. And um, it was like the best education and formation in terms of what it means to be a woman Episcopalian in, in a position of leadership in, in our church or in my church. And, um, and so it was just this cool exchange and we had never met each other. And I think that it's, it's such a um, testimony to what hospitality can look like through virtual reality, right? Across social media or across the web of, of how we can really still be inviting each other in, even if we've never met face to face. You know, we're on Zoom recording right now, and this is the first time we've even seen each other, which is 
it's so special. Um, and, and, you know, and I hear, I hear in this and from interacting with you that it sounds like filmmaking is a spiritual process for you, um, you know, and, and story sort of coming to life and sharing stories. So I'm curious if, if you might share a little bit about how, how film is a spiritual, spiritual journey for you. Um, yes. <clears throat> um, I want to reach back to one thing before we pivot, sure. which is you mentioned about collab, about wondering about whether filmmaking was collaborative. Um, and I think, um, I, I sometimes forget how much when, when you see a film, that how much happens behind the scenes that you, that, that there's no way to experience it. Um, so film for me is as collaborative as anything I've ever done in my life. Um, and, and much in the same way you were just describing how we, how the exchange, how, how the, how ex, the, the communication between us has gifts for both of us. And mm -hmm. through that, maybe something new is born. Um, the way that I experience filmmaking is similar. So I, I actually often am frustrated by the tendency to always want to name a director of a film because the, the way that filmmaking happens is collaborative and is a, it's a back and forth process. So on a very mundane level, I'll be on an airplane with my, the person I collaborate the most often, who um, her name is Nikki Bramley, and she will be chatting about what we're about to film. And in, within the conversation, we have like three other ideas of what the meaning of what we're about to film. And, and, and that changes what we film that day. And then we go into the edit room with an editor who is a different person who sees something completely different in the footage and suggests putting a, you know, something next to, an image next to something else that creates different new meaning. And so it's a, the, it's, everything about it is collaborative. And in fact, filmmakers who say it's not aren't really, I don't think, in tune with what they've just been through. So yeah, so I think it's an important part of the process. And in some ways, I think the reason that filmmaking is such a spiritual experience for me is because of that. Um, it's also because, um, so we're always in community. So filmmaking is, is, is always a community. And um, it is also a process that asks very deep questions that for me are always very spiritual. So what is, um, you know, we might start with what is the story or what is the scene we're telling, but then what, it, what, it, what does that mean? So it, what, is, what is behind that? So for an example, um, we, I've been reading the transcripts of the women we've interviewed, um, and this is the women who were ordained in Philadelphia in 1974 and in Washington, D.C. in 1975, and um, looking for and trying to think through what the thread is. So what is, what is, it, what is the meaning of these stories? And um, I don't think we know that yet. <laughs> the working theory right now is that it's a, it's a journey about being whole and about living with integrity. Um, but to, to start, in the, but then there's also very personal questions about what is my, how am I reading this differently from someone else? What, it, what am I getting from the journey? Why am I making this film? So it's, very it's a very deep discernment that happens in the process of making, uh, uh, telling a story like this. Wow, that's, that's profound stuff. Um, you know, and it sounds, it sounds like some of the tools maybe that you picked up in, in organizing um, 
actually relate directly to your ability to be collaborative in the filmmaking process that that it's about harnessing individual gifts sort of for the collective it's um it's a process that that is probably more improvisational than is comfortable sometimes um it's about the deep listening to to one another and and discerning like you said the thread or or the spirit that is on the move in between us um and i love what you said about asking yourself the question of why am i making this film and um and that that relates to another thing that you just mentioned which is why talk about women priests now um so we've hinted at the project that you're working on so can you describe what exactly is this project um and and why women priests why are you doing this now the project is to make a feature-length documentary film about the women who were ordained. Um, we'll call them, they've been often been called irregular ordination. So they were ordained priests in the Episcopal Church at a time when the rules of the church stated they could not be ordained. Um, and it was in 1974 and 1975. Um, and I think... Um, you know, there's two, you asked two very important questions, and I'm going to come back to giving a bigger description of the film to say, it's, you know, the question of why I'm making this film is actually an uncomfortable and dif a difficult question. Um, and I don't have an answer for it, but I think it's worth recognizing and sitting with that for a moment. Um, I think as a society, it's a much easier question to answer for me. <laughs> You know, why make this film now? Well, we're in a, um, and why talk about women priests now, right? Some might say, well, at least in the Episcopal Church, women priests are, are a reality of, and becoming more and more a part of the institutional structure at higher and higher levels at, on a regular basis, meaning not just one woman, but, you know, as part of the bureaucracy. Um, but um, I think as a society, we're at a time where we're in a lot of tumult. It's a tumultuous, is that the right word? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, um, you know, the narrative, there's a, there's a battle over narrative. Mm -hmm. Who are we as a people? Mm -hmm. um, the, and I think um, part of that is about gender. It's also about a lot of other things. Um, and I personally believe that understanding who we are as a, as a people and understanding our history is really important in that. And, mm -hmm. and I think that this is a story that deserves to be a part of our central understanding of who's come before us. Mm -hmm. I also think that there is a lot to learn about from the, all of the players who were a part of these ordinations and the events that followed in months, in those two, in those two years and, until the convention of 1976, when the, it was voted to, that women would be accepted. I think there's a canonical term, there's an Episcopal term that I never get quite right, but that it was approved, let's say that women can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, 
you know, it's not easy to stand for what you believe when society and institutions are telling you otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to risk, to take risks. So the level of risk that different players took was different for different people, but it's a huge risk to, to put yourself out in the way that, that they did. Um, and it's a risk, not just because jobs were at risk and families were at risk, but that they were in the public eye. And that is not, that is a very, that can be very, that can be very challenging mm -hmm. on many levels, both spiritual and life-sustaining. And um, so I look up to them for that reason. And I think that we have a lot to learn both from their leadership and from their experience in the years, you know, mm -hmm. in the, in terms of the events that happened afterward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got to read a, an article that you are drafting right now on, on this question of why talk about women priests now. And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the intersection of civil rights and gender. Um, and you mentioned, um, you know, that, that, that the opportunity to learn from leaders who have come before us and, you know, whose shoulders we're standing on is, is an important, a really important part um, of, of picking up the work and doing our part now. Um, and I also, I really appreciate that in, that in the article, you, you name patriarchy and, and white supremacy and untruthful media as, as forms of, of oppression and, and violence that still are very much permeating our world. Um, and so to recall these stories and to recall these historical moments, um, I think it helps breed courage um, to continue to, to continue in the lineage. And along with this film on the Philadelphia 11, um, you've also worked on um, a film on Polly Murray, who is the first African-American woman ordained into the priesthood in the Episcopal Church shortly after the Philadelphia 11. Um, and so, you know, I just want to lift up also Polly in this conversation because she's a pretty incredible um, woman and in terms of standing on the shoulders of someone who is sort of at this intersection and crossroads of, of racial and sexual identity and was sort of harboring and, and learning to how to be a compassionate but courageous force that was dismantling these oppressions around her. Um, so I don't know if you want to add anything about Polly that you learned or how you came to, to make that, but, but she is a patron saint of my life. Um, I, I look to Polly's um, teachings and writings as an activist and a lawyer um, and as a priest, um, you know, and she, she inspires me tremendously. So. You know, Polly Murray is the reason um, I even know about the Philadelphia 11. I was right. reading Polly Murray's autobiography and she has a beautiful description of the service in Philadelphia. Mm. And it, that was a big aha moment for me. Mm. Um, she did not participate because she had not finished seminary. So she didn't have the qualifications to be ordained. Um, so she, particip she participated in, by attending the service, I should say, but she didn't, she wasn't ordained. Um, and as you mentioned, she was ordained shortly thereafter. Polly Murray is um, an incredible, an incredible person who also needs to be named as one of our leading thought leaders of um, one of the le leading American thought leaders. 
and who often is not included, I think, where she needs to be or uplifted to the extent that she should be. Um, that is a film that um, is, is such a good example of how filmmaking is such a discerning process. Mm. Polly Murray, um, so, you know, film is very linear. Stories have a beginning, the, stories have, always have a beginning, middle, and end, but in filmmaking, it needs to be a linear process because the viewer comes to it and watches it from the beginning to the end. And Polly Murray just does not fit into any boxes, including that one. <laughs> no, she does not. <laughs> and so it's been um, a joyous struggle to realize that the film about Polly Murray needs to needs not to put her in a box that she never was in, but needs to lift up all of who she was. Mm. And so we're actually still figuring that piece out. So that film is, I still call it in development and there's a team working on it. I, as I said, I see film as a collaboration and part of my job as a producer is to bring in more voices. And that's, we're in that process and we're gonna do some more experimenting with different styles. But um, there needs to be a film about Polly Murray because more people need to know her, but the film that we make needs needs to not put her in a box but allow her to be all that she was mm. um, and so we're still figuring out how that's going to work yeah she she does not fit into any box and um, for those who are listening you know if if Polly Murray is a new name for you to hear um, please do your homework and and google her name um, read what she, all that she's written and just get as much Polly in your life as possible um, if I'm right, Margot, she was a lawyer. She was a, an activist. Um, she was a priest. Um, in terms of gender identity, she was, you know, fluid. Um, she, there wasn't really the terminology that we have now at the time in the 70s, but, um, you know, definitely expressed sort of more of a masculine vibe to her female identity. Um, and she was just this brilliant, incredible leader. Um, and I, I actually have a, a beautiful picture of Polly at her ordination um, with this, this brilliant smile on her face. And she was, she was later in life when she got ordained, right? I think, was she in her 60s or um, maybe? She was later. later. And, um, yeah. you know, we interviewed Bishop Barbara Harris for mm. this film. And she tells a beautiful story about Polly Murray um, sort of, I, I forget the terms, but essentially, I guess Barbara was considering that she might be too old <laughs> to go to seminary, and Polly gave her the, you know, in 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 a way that only Polly Murray can do. Like, how could you possibly take yourself and say that about yourself? There are no limitations. We never have limitations on ourselves. Is essentially the message. And don't you don't you dare limit yourself by ageism that you impose mm. on yourself. Um, it, it was a really, it was a really nice story to hear. And, um, yeah, I would add that Polly Murray, I think the places where she goes so under the radar is she was one of the people, you know, helping to create the theories that helped win board versus Brown of education that came up with, she was one of the first people to be arrested for integrating a bus, you know, 20 years before Rosa Parks. She came up with the theories that, you know, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uses and, and then credits Polly Murray for. 
um, in some of the legal thought that's gone behind the more women supporting decisions at the Supreme Court level. And so, you know, here she is undergirding all that we care about and we have yet to figure out how to recognize her from that. Mm, beautiful. I love that so much. And um, so, yeah, so everyone go check out Polly and follow her and we'll wait for that. We'll, we'll patiently wait for the film to be produced. Um, I certainly am excited. I'll, I'll have a watch party around it, Margo, so you can count on that. for sharing part of your story with us. Filmmaking is such a fascinating and important skill set to offer the world, and we are thrilled that you are sharing the untold stories of women that need to be told. What a beautiful, beautiful gift you are giving us, Margot. Thank you. Margot will be with us next week as well. Kelsey centers her questions around finding out what is spiritually stimulating for Margot in the practice of filmmaking, or rather how filmmaking is a spiritual practice. Kelsey and I will offer a brief commentary on her astute creative insights afterwards. As always, be sure to stay in touch with us on all of our social media platforms and visit our Patreon page and consider supporting the Theosophia podcast. See y'all next week. Peace. Peace.